0: Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, a show where we talk to experts who've taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have sailed around the world to those who've started thriving businesses and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. This is episode 41 with professional surfer and world title contender Courtney Conlog. This episode was brought to you by Keen. On all my greatest wild adventures, I've had a pair of Keens with me. I wore them when I stand-up paddled down a portion of the Peruvian Amazon River, when I went tubing through the glowworm caves in New Zealand, and even trekking through the rainforests of Costa Rica. Keene's most known for their Newport sandal. They're made to go in water and on land, but right now they also have some amazing new styles I'm especially excited about. The Terradora collection, for example, was designed specifically for the unique biomechanics of a woman's foot and stride. It was designed so you could trek all through Yosemite or any great hiking destination, and so you could wear them through the city streets, on the beach, and they're stylish enough to wear out after with leggings or jeans. Best of all, Keen is a family-owned company. They're out of Portland, Oregon. They're committed to not only protect the places we play outside, but they also provide numerous grants to causes and difference makers who share their ambitious goals. They support some kick-ass ambassadors as well. You can check them out at keenfootwear.com. That's K-E-E-N footwear.com for more. This episode was also brought to you by HDX Hydration Mix. Like you, I'm an active person. I love sports drinks, but many of them have a lot of weird stuff inside of them. That's why I like HDX mix. Not only do they use stevia and natural sweeteners, but there's no caffeine, no junk, and it has all the electrolytes, vitamins, amino acids, and minerals to stay hydrated and going all day long, whether you're surfing, running, or even producing podcast episodes. There's only one flavor, it's berry, and it tastes amazing. Besides being low in sugar, it comes in a tiny pouch, not a plastic bottle, so all you have to do is add it to your own water and your own reusable bottle, minimizing your impact and not adding to plastic pollution. You can even stuff it in your pocket or in your wetsuit during long surf trips or run. It's super easy to carry. It's lightweight. It's the healthy, eco-friendly hydration drink. You can check them out at hdxmix.com. That's H as in happy D as in delightful, X as an x-ray, mix.com. Courtney Conlog is a professional surfer on the WSL, currently ranked in the top three on the Women's tour. She grew up in Santa Ana, California and started surfing at age four. Today she's known for her powerful turns, her positive attitude, and her incredible work ethic and fitness capacity. You might have seen Courtney last year, she was featured in ESPN's Body Issue, celebrated not only as a powerhouse in the surf, but also for her strength as a female athlete. I actually got to interview Courtney when I was younger than she is now in my early 20s. I interviewed her a few times, so it was super fun to reconnect with her. She's grown and matured so much, and she's always been one of my favorite surfers on the tour. She's a funny girl and she's got an incredible attitude and an amazing capacity to set goals and achieve them. I hope you enjoy this show as much as I did. All right, so I'm with Courtney Conlog at the Paseo Hotel in Huntington Beach. So stoked to have you on, Courtney. Yeah, thanks for having me. So funny story. One, I interviewed Courtney when I was 21, and you were (laughs) like 12. I'm not even sure what our age difference is, (laughs) but it was for a, a TV show called Grom's. You remember that?
1: Yeah. Grom TV. And I was definitely a little (laughs)
0: Grom. You were Grom and now you're this like beautiful young lady. It's so cool to be (laughs) hanging out with you. So I have one more funny story I got to share because I was just in Nicaragua and I didn't realize you were in Nicaragua. Yes. So I, I jumped out of the boat at playgrounds and my fiance and I were out together and I was like, Hey, we got to be cool because there's already like 10 guys out. And so I paddle up and they're like, these guys get all excited and I'm the only girl. And they're like, oh, are you, are you Courtney? And then I, I just started laughing. And then I took a wave and they're like, oh, no, that's not Courtney.
1: <laughs> that is so funny. But that's amazing. For a little bit, yeah. yeah. I had a blast in Nicaragua. And that's definitely like my own people doing like my own things. I was always told that you just end up finding people everywhere that you've seen. Because surfing is such a small world. It really creates... That small world sensation, and mm. I love it. That's why I love the sport. So you love Nicaragua? <laughs> I love it. Honestly, I think it has so much potential and it's such a lush area, and I was able to switch off while I was there with my brother and my dad.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, we we had a great time and surfed the best way. So I, I want to talk to you about surfing. First of all, I think some people don't realize you grew up in Santa Ana, which for people who don't know what Santa Ana is, it's an area – pretty far inland from the beach <laughs> and most surfers grow up on the beach that are, are you ranked number three right now?
1: Yeah, currently I'm number three. Oh, and Maybe number one by the time this one com- this that's comes That's a plan, September you 13th. know, usually I have the yellow Jersey around this time of year and the season's kind of been a different season and there's been a lot of learning and I feel like finally the wheels are going and I have that rhythm down. So I'm really excited to see where this, season pans out. I'm in a really positive headspace, loving what I'm doing. And um, it's been a really fun challenge this season. And every season, you kind of have new things that happen. And it's been really cool to just be in this process and really leaving in the process. This is year seven. So. so
0: let's talk about this. You started surfing at how old? I started when I was four years old. Four years old. Same
1: year I started martial arts. I started them at the same year. And you started competing at age? I started competing. My first comp was when I was nine. I did well. First, I did the Roxy Wahine Classic. I lost against Longboarder and the Cockroach, <laughs> and then uh, ended up doing Serena Brook Day, and that was amazing. I saw Serena pull up in her yellow Ford Ranger truck. And just thought, oh, my gosh, she's so rad. I want to be a pro surfer. (laughs) And um, ended up, my dad and I ended up winning that comp because he was able to help me because the south current was so bad that day. And he was like my anchor. Everyone, every little kid had their dad as anchors. just has to hold them in the lineup. My dad's calves were so sore for like two weeks. He still doesn't let let me lose that. He's like, yeah. Do you realize how much I really care about you as a competitor?
0: <laughs> so you still, you live 30 minutes from the beach. So would your parents just drive? I remember your, your mom would always have a cooler with her and you guys would go to the beach and you, you were there all day. Yeah.
1: She'd have the little Trader Joe's like cooler bag. And honestly, we would just post up from sunup to sundown Saturday and Sunday. Cause I went to school Monday through Friday growing up till I got to high school. I was able to kind of surf in the morning on certain days, but I had to get up at 4. And um, so, yeah, we'd post up all day, Saturday, Sunday. So just the whole family. It was a family ordeal. You'd get up at 4 a.m.,
0: drive to the beach, surf until...
1: Surf an hour and a half, maybe two hours, put my Adidas sweatpants or whatever I had just really fast on and run to school with wet hair. My dad, um, my dad and mom, mostly my mom, though, was always there for me. And she would drive me everywhere I needed to. My dad was really busy working and, um, he kind of passed the baton to my mom when, uh, I was really going through that high school phase and getting up early.
0: (laughs) So what does it take to, you know, being from Santa Ana, has that made you have more drive or?
1: Um, honestly, I think being from Santa Ana, everyone, Played soccer and they didn't know I surfed till an article came out when I was in seventh grade through OC Register because I got I think to quarters or something in the U.S. Open and um, they're like oh we didn't know you surfed and I kind of hit it because of the reputation that was on surfers back in the day wasn't always positive and mm. now I wear it with pride because I'm like yeah I'm a surfer because people are like whoa you're in shape like what sport do you do and I'm like I surf. And it's just changing, you know, what people think of surfing a little bit. And, um, but yeah, back in the day, I think it honestly was just the discipline, the love, and the passion I had. I, I really believe passion and just love for whatever you do, you end up being able to persevere through all the rough times and positive times.
0: But you've been really focused. I mean, I've seen you all through your career, even through the ISA. I saw you once at Fernando's house. He had you come and talk about, you know, he was like, hey, this about girl, the Olympics? Yeah, about the Olympics. Oh, my gosh. And now surfing is going to be in the Olympics. That was like t- almost 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, I, I was so small in Fernando because I started doing the ISA Worlds when I was 11. I went over there as an alternate with the US surf team, watched Karina Petroni and all the women and PT coach the team and. I just thought it was amazing. Stephanie Gilmore was competing at the time through ISA and I I was just so inspired after that trip. And as I kept doing ISA, that was my way of kind of getting the international experience because um, we didn't have as many ASP juniors at the time or WSL now. And um, so I ended up doing ISAs to kind of see what was out there, see what the competition was and I learned a lot. And then, yeah, Fernando, he had me come because I had participated in ISAs for so many years and talked to everyone.
0: Fernando's the guy who started Reef and he's the president of the International Surfing Association. And he's the guy who has helped make surfing an Olympic sport. Yeah,
1: he, he's done amazing things. And, you know, he's pretty, I love his style. He always wears a bow tie, like the craziest bow tie. And um, he's really been there for the sport, and it's amazing how he got in the Olympics. I know it's been kind of his, you know, baby that he's really tried to work on for past at least ten years.
0: But you, you've had this baby of being a pro surfer since you were a, kid, a since baby. Since I was yeah. a baby. <laughs> so, so talk to me about golf because. I can, I already heard you talking about how you set goals and you put like sticky notes all over the board and you plan out every season. So like for you, what is the process of how you make goals?
1: Um, I think everyone has their master plan, but it's how to get there, uh, when you're creating a goal, um.
0: So do you do goals like one year out, two years out, five uh, years out?
1: My dad, we used to, he would have me write contracts on, if I qualified for the tour, he'd run a mile, like things like that. So I was writing contracts when I was a really little kid.
0: Tell me more about these contracts. Oh, what it else was would so funny.
1: Well, it would be from chores or anything random, or if I ended up doing really well in a season and... It was really fun because it made me accountable and made me have something to fight for and work towards. So so
0: like what's an example? It was a
1: reward. Um, Literally, when I qualified for the world tour, my dad, he he doesn't go to the gym or he just surfs on the weekends. And he doesn't run. Like he does not run. So I was like, dad, if if I qualify for the tour, you're running a mile and I get to film it. (laughs) And it was the best thing ever. Right before New Year's, he uh, ran a mile around the track. He woke me up at that morning with his full track suit on, tennis shoes, and everything, just ready to go. And it was the coolest thing ever because it just—it was a goal that I had, and we were both accountable for reaching the goal. And he that. followed it through with uh, what I asked him to do. <laughs>
0: so now, what are what are some of the goals you have?
1: Um, now, for me, like I have. Ever since I was little, I wanted a 1965 or 67 Red Ford Mustang since I was a little kid. And I'm not getting that until I get a title. And it's going probably, I haven't decided convertible or fastback. I'll figure it out. But I've always wanted one since I was a little kid. But I always like to have something to push for. And um, yeah, a goal. I love that. A little reward. I. You know, you work really hard and you have this whole process and you win these trophies and you have things. But um, little things like that, it's like when my mom used to put little notes saying she loves me in my lunchbox. You know, it's like that little thing that just puts a smile on your face and you always know it's there. And um, so that's my little thing. And, yeah, it's a cool little goal I have. And there's just a lot of other things. You know, I do this a lot because... That next generation, I really want to create a great platform for them. And, um, yeah, just pave the way as far as I can and try to inspire through that. I wish I was videoing this.
0: Courtney's dressed so cute. She has this awesome hat on, <laughs> so inspiring. So so what else, though, for goals? Like right now, you know, it's to win a world title, but surfing, unlike other sports, it's a series of events, and you have to go all year long and stay motivated. But you start in what month is, does it the tour start? It depends on the season
1: uh, the year but um, usually I'll start February March February March and it goes pretty much
0: till December yeah so you don't it's a 10 month season yeah, it's, it's solid it's crazy so how I do love you, it. How do you keep going and how do you stay motivated?
1: It's an endurance sport um, you have to you know find your process that works for you. I break things up and I just look at my next event ahead of me. I don't try to look too far. Um, I think Probably my rookie year, I would try to plan the whole season out. And, yeah, you set goals at the start of the season, your results you want, where you want to win. And, obviously, you probably put first on every single one. <laughs> and you try to get as close as you can because you don't want to set. Sometimes I found when I was younger, I didn't set. I set my goal where it was attainable, but I wish I would set it higher.
0: Got it. So you would set it to... Place, I would set or? it
1: to a pretty solid feat, but I would reach it. And then I was like, well, why did I set it higher? Because maybe I could have got it. And maybe if you fall just short, well, you're still pretty close to that amazing goal. And finally, once I started going, I want a title. Then I started being one, two, three, you know, and I'm in, well, two, three and getting up in those ranks. Maybe not ending up at one, but I was constantly tapping that door, you know, and you got to keep tapping it and figure out how to open it and uh, keep picking the lock.
0: (laughs) I love that you're always setting goals to be higher rather than because sometimes you get your goal and you got to reach.
1: Yeah. And it's like, what now? And I think I had this a bit of a moment last year when Bells had this huge thing because it was there's so many things that happen at bells for me, just learning and the injury and everything. And I hadn't won the bell till last year. And once I finally got it, you you have this amazing experience and the adrenaline, and everything. And then you come off of it, and you're like, "Whoa, that was it." And it's not that that it's anticlimactic, but it's like you're off to the next event to Margaret River. And you gotta let that one go, and then you think about why, why do I do this? Like, what is this purpose for me? Like, what, what do I get out of it? And what do can I do to inspire through what I'm doing? So then I started pulling myself back and found another way to give it purpose on why I win. And I think having multiple reasons on why you want to win versus just a trophy, Mm. or versus this bell or, versus getting in the war paint, just all those things are cause you see an you've seen it in a mag for so many years growing up, you know, and it's like once you get it, then what now? You want to follow it up maybe. You want to do all these different things and you give yourself another goal. So you don't want to stop dreaming and setting goals. So
0: for those non surfers, Bells is a like surf contest in Australia, um kind of near Melbourne, I yeah. guess you'd say. It's one of the most iconic surf contests in the world. And Courtney Courtney won it last year, right? Mm-hmm. And it means that she got to have her face painted. Um, it, like, it just has but it's,
1: such a, you know, it, there's a lot of history at Bell. <laughs>
0: just saying you had your face painted sounds like clown mask. No, no I
1: hadn't. Um, so, what they do is the Aboriginals from the local area, they at the end paint uh, the winner's face. And it's all a whole ceremony on a dance and a welcome and bringing you in as one of their people. And it's just a really amazing thing to be a part of, you know, and you watch and look at all the previous Bells winners and they're so inspiring to me and I'm just honored to be right next to them.
0: I would think of all the contests that would be, that would be one of the ones to win.
1: Uh, For me, it definitely was, you know, I have all the events, You know, when you first get on tour, that was one of the first ones that was my goal to win. And it probably took, yeah, it was one of the longest ones to win.
0: So I want to go back to these contracts. So do you have like a series of these pieces of paper contracts all over your your house or your (laughs) room? My mom
1: actually probably has a file. I wouldn't be surprised if she has a file in the family house with (laughs) these contracts. I know she has the one where I was like, it was pretty official. Like I had my mom as a witness sign the contract too that she saw this whole thing and uh but do you still do
0: that like for this year is there one about this mustang that you're gonna Um, get
1: i i write things down now for myself in my journal and i have things that i'll just keep tabs to keep myself honest and keep pushing and keep setting goals you know and making uh progress towards them and building those steps not just saying i want to do this how am i going to do that because yeah you want to jump there but sometimes you gotta walk skip and figure out how to get there
0: and surfing it seems like there's so many highs and lows with these contests you win you lose you have to go (laughs) to the next one yeah you get injured how do you kind of deal with all of that and and sort of like do you do meditation do you are there any tricks or tips that you've learned over the years to sort of feel more even keeled through all these highs and lows
1: yeah um honestly I feel every athlete loses more than they win and with losing, you have to learn how you take a loss, uh, how it affects you, uh, feeling in your gut, how, how bad it hurts, and being able to grow from it, reflect on it, but then move on and realize that's the past and don't keep redwelling on it. Just learn from maybe the mistakes or things that might have happened um, and then move forward and don't, don't keep dwelling on that past because you need to focus on the present and where you want to go and how you're going to get there. Because as soon as you lo- lose track of that now, you end up just overthinking, over-processing. And I'm, I'm a huge thinker and I process everything and break things down. But there's a moment where you just need to be there. And um, with that, I've been doing a lot of yoga and meditational stuff. Um, yeah, just calming the mind, you know, that your mind starts wandering and thinking and knowing how to bring it back and control where your thoughts are going. So have you learned certain tactics, like certain breath techniques or do you do yoga every morning? Um, yeah, I'd say I at least meditate 15 minutes every day. Um, at least I started learning Ashtanga yoga, which is really fun because it's to me, a network that's pretty global and, uh, it's the same exact routine everywhere in the world. With the Ashtanga and Vinyasa is like the contemporary version, I'd say of the you know the Ashtanga. Ashtanga is more like the ballet; it's the structure and everything. And then you go to Vinyasa, which is like the contemporary dance. It's a mixture and flow. Mm. And so I'm learning the Ashtanga and going work off there, and probably start doing the Vinyasa a bit more. But I like having the structure so I could see my growth and see how I improve, or good days and bad days.
0: It makes sense that you like a Shtanga yoga because you're almost rewarded with a new pose once you achieve it. Right. It's like a contract. Yeah. And then you
1: have to go through all those other poses, which makes you have to deal with all those basic, like not tedious, but it's like you have to do the process yep. and you can't skip. And it forces you to do that, you know? And I think that's really good for a sport like surfing, which is all about flow and everything and more vinyasa and following things and going with the drift, not with the drift, but you have to really feel the flow of the waves. But there's a time where you need to be able to pull in and structure yourself and stay focused Mm. and knowing how to control and let go and then pull yourself in and let go. And, um, yeah, I think having the yoga stuff has really kind of added to that process of learning about your mind and how you work. And at least like when you start, (laughs) maybe you want to go vinyasa or you like well, I, I don't want, I don't feel like doing this step, but you have to. Yep. And it's, it's really good for you.
0: What about with the meditation? Like what kind of meditation do you do? And do you say anything to yourself? So like, for example, when I meditate, I say breathing in, I calm my body, breathing out, I calm my mind. Or sometimes I'll just meditate and I'll send love to like, it sounds really hippie, but anything that's hard in my life, I'll just like concentrate on it and I'll breathe and I'll send it love. And then other times I'll just Breathe. They'll all say like a not Han mantra, which is yeah, um,
1: yeah. Um, for me, I definitely. It probably depends on where I feel my head is. I I'm pretty in tune with how I'm feeling on a daily. Um, just because I've been an athlete for so long, and um, just I've really been in working on it. And whenever I breathe in, I just breathe in positive and happiness and just that love and the passion and I let go of stress negativity cool anything that's stressing me out and yeah it's good and if anything crosses my mind I just breathe in positive let go negative and positive let go negative
0: it's similar breathe in positive out negative yeah I like that I know you've been doing some crazy training in Australia with a coach can you talk a little bit about that and what it is and who the coach is and
1: So I do a lot of training. Okay. He's probably just on one of the phases. Um, (laughs) I'm always just someone who's learning and discovering. I think my world's my classroom, and I'm constantly reading and trying to strengthen my mind. And, yeah, whatever I'm doing, I'm always just a sponge, trying to absorb all these cool things I learn around the world. And Australia has such a great platform for naturopaths stuff and just training they're on a whole nother level oh, and agree. there's so much <laughs> um you know support and interest and they invest their government invest in surfing and it's incredible because you see the difference in the surfers i mean you look at how many world champs they have you know there's a whole process on their platform you know and so i went to hpc um Before my first year on tour.
0: Which is the high-performance training center. Yeah, so it was
1: the early stages of the HPC and worked with a coach for a month straight, was training two, three times a day, and then surfing two, three times a day. I would pick which one I'd do three times a day for a month straight. Ended up probably writing myself down a bit, but I was testing myself, seeing how much I can endure. And I was just so... I was just loving... (laughs) all the things I was learning and the challenge and the struggle, I was just embracing all the, you know, the leg burns and just going, my arms can't handle another push up or a pull up. And you just start feeling your body overcome barriers. And it's not just, you know, the physical barrier, it's the mental barrier that's saying I'm tired, but maybe you could give it one or two more reps.
0: So what are you doing right now? So, so Michael did say, Michael's your, Courtney's awesome, manager from Australia. He said you're doing some sort of super high intensity training right now.
1: Yeah, I've been working with my same trainer since sophomore year of high school. Wow. And he pretty much knows me in and out on how much he could push me. And he always knows how to challenge me. Um, now he's working with the Naval Academy. And I'll go there I, and go on base and work with them. And, um, On Pendleton
0: or Camp Pendleton or where do you go? No, just one Seal Beach. In Seal Beach. Okay. So you go to, wow, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. But um, yeah, so I've been working with him for a really long time and it's definitely a high intensity and pretty, pretty insane. And then I've done um, a bit of breath work with non-Baldwin um, for breath holds and mental training and just the things, you know, it's a really easy way to put yourself into pressure and have to stay composed. Can you tell me an um, example
0: of like something that I could try to start training with breath work?
1: Um, well, if you did any of this stuff in the water, you'd have to have someone there. Yep.
0: Cause you could black out. You could die. Um, I agree.
1: Yeah. You get really fuzzy in the head. Do
0: not try this. I at would home. <laughs> not
1: just try this at home. You definitely need someone who's knowledgeable. Like Dom, he works with free divers, boxers, McFanning stuff. And, um, so I've, I do a couple sessions a year with him and, He'll pretty much have me do breath holds, sprints, all this stuff in the pool. And then I get to the end and I have to do something that gets my mind having to execute, um, take it or leave it. And he's throwing tennis balls at me and telling me to say my name and things like that and spell it and just things like that. When your head's really fuzzy, you don't realize how much uh, you need to pull it in.
0: Has that helped with... um... Big waves, or just... um, it's helped with
1: big waves, mental stuff with heats. Um, I mean, there's times where you have to be able to sit for 20 minutes, or say you you have seven minutes left or something, and you have to sprint out the back and get priority because you're in combo, and then pull yourself out.
0: I watched the best paddle battle with you <laughs> and was it Carissa? Carissa. Oh, it was so good. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Um, Courtney and Chris had the most beautiful paddle battle and you're so fit. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was a super fun paddle battle. You know, surfing, it's evolved, but there's those same things that the simplest things like that are just so fun for me, at least. I just, cause when I was out on injury, I would go prone paddling with my friend nine to 12 miles. And so I, really picked up my paddle endurance and then just with traveling and competition wasn't doing it as much but um yeah I could just paddle I love it and I love challenging and sprinting I think that's probably my track and field stuff kind of influencing the paddle and go you know she's pretty far ahead I'm going to try to catch up and you were a tr- it.
0: track athlete in high school yeah so you ran like the 400 or
1: yeah, with Sage, when I was at Sage Hill, I ran the 400, the 800, did pole vault, did the four by 400. So it was the long distance sprints. <laughs> so it was crazy. like, I really liked sprinting, but I had the endurance. So they always put me in the ones that would sprint for a longer time
0: which those are the most brutal 400 really 800 are gnarly
1: yeah any track athlete knows when you come around that last bend you, you just keep pumping your arms as fast as you can because those legs are just going lead
0: <laughs> that's impressive i did those sports and i did those events in college and i pole vaulted through high school that's brutal I'm, i love pole vault it's yeah, so fun did you did you end up getting pretty high off the ground
1: Yeah, I did. I did pretty well. When I was learning pole vault, I have a funny story. My friend Jackie, we're still friends, like she, we didn't have iPhones or anything to capture these funny moments that would just happen back in the day. And I was like running and I had this thing where I wanted to do it proper. I didn't just drag the pole, the stick, you know, I would lift and do a proper set. And I rotated the pole the wrong way. And you know how the flex point swings a certain way. So you want to make sure the flex point's going forward. Well, mine was going to the left, I didn't look. Because when I lifted, it ended up rotating it towards the left. Well, I ended up flinging myself off the mat, totally missed the mat, <laughs> into the bushes. And I, I was at least 9 feet high. Like, it was a proper... Um, yeah, really funny wipeout. And I came up laughing and just came crawling out of the tree from Concordia. Oh, yeah, because their their pole vault um, mat was like right by. This gnarly tree area. And yeah, I flung myself right into that when I was learning how a pole vault.
0: It's <laughs> awesome. The fact that you got nine feet high learning how means you're a pretty good athlete. I think I cleared opening height and have the uh, record for the worst pole vault championship <laughs> in the history of the vaulting. You know what? It's
1: vaulting. just fun to just fling. It feels like you're flying for a sec and then you swing yourself upside down into the rotation. It's so fun.
0: It is totally fun. So I, I don't know if I can ask this, but I'm so curious. There's so much time in the water surfing and heats. And I know from soccer and even from track, there was like kind of a nasty girl who had already been like talking smack to us. It was on. And, <laughs> oh, and we would what? say kind of funny things to each other. <laughs> like, do you guys ever I mean, I know you're all friends on tour, but is there ever any like kind of fun, some fun sm- smack talking at all? Um I don't you know what? I think maybe a
1: few years ago there was a little bit. Um, but now if anyone's being cheeky, it's with like outsmarting people <laughs> playing chess. It's like making them lose priority. and It's kind of like a little giggle deep inside. You're like, huh, <laughs> I just did that one and it worked. <laughs> um, but other than that, it's just like those paddle battles and those kind of things. Those are our ways of just doing that, yeah. Probably The little smack talk isn't like it's more of a challenge. It's like, Hey, come on.
0: I like that. I think that's a race. The woman on tour becomes so professional. And as much as it'd be funny it's to be so like
1: competitive, it's crazy. As soon as we're in the water, it's just like, it's pretty intense. And we're all really smart at our strategy and being strategic. And it's like playing chess and poker. You're just trying to read what they're going to do before they do it and hide your cards as much as you can. And um. Yeah. It's it's so fun. I love it.
0: <laughs> you love competition. I, I can love see it. See that all over your face, and you're really positive. And it seems like most of the girls that I've met have been incredibly positive. You know, I was always hoping for someone to be more like Kelly Slater to Andy Irons and do things like whisper "I love you" in someone's ear to just mess with them. Or
1: oh, that's amazing. That's totally the basic mental game. And go. Oh, really? You're riding that board. It looks a bit small. Oh, <laughs> uh, we could totally do that for fun, but I have a feeling you'd be bummed later <laughs> when you're trying to, you know, celebrate and enjoy the end of the day.
0: <laughs> That's totally true. Winning, you've always won, you know, and earned everything you've done, Courtney. I mean, just, we didn't really get into driving from Santa, Santa Ana to the beach, but it is no joke that you grew up far from the beach. <laughs> yeah. Nothing was really handed to you. Um your parents have had a big influence on your life and your family. Can you just talk a little bit about them? Because there's no dummies in your family. Like, doesn't your dad work for Tesla or NASA? No,
1: Boeing. Boeing. Yeah, so my dad's an engineer and he is so inspiring. And I'll never forget when he was teaching me about the foil of my fins and the type of materials and giving me mathematic equations on why it works better if it's a certain way and the base and the rake and all these different things about my fins and my boards. And he had me measure every single board with the caliper and everything and get all the dimensions down for myself for my uh, archives. And um, that's awesome. That created that platform of just knowing what I was writing and understanding it. So I could speak to my shapers about my equipment. And it's really good because I feel like I have a really good knowledge of what's under my feet and why it works. And Then my mom, she's used to work in Wall Street with the stock brokerage industry and she's very intelligent and now she's helping us kids, her children, pursue our dreams and she's always believed in me and my dad kind of passed that baton to her and she's taken that coaching aspect and more just a Sherpa, you know, guiding me with me. She's on that journey to the summit, wherever it may be, and just having a piece of family there while I'm on tour and support. So your mom comes with you to all the She does, to all the world tour events. I do trips solo a lot, but the world tour events, it's really good to have a team Um, just because you spend so much time on the road. And then my sister, she's a marine biologist She was the one when we were little hanging in the tide pools, grabbing little octopus and sea slugs and um, already studying it at a super young age with her cute little hats on. And my brother, he was surfing with me when he was younger and um, he just loves free surfing and he plays rugby and he's a has a physics and engineering degree. Um, So we'll see where he goes. He's only 22. The world's in front of him and Pretty much, I really believe, and I'm so inspired by my siblings and every day I'm just pushing and be close to the, what they're, they've accomplished because I'm just in awe on how brilliant those two are and how much they've succeeded in their academic endeavors. And it just inspires me to always push and try to uh,
0: pursue my goals. It's fun to watch how close you are with your family and they are an incredible family.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm very <laughs> thankful. I love them, <laughs> love them to bits.
0: <laughs> so I know you you love your family, but I, I want to talk about some other loves. I know you love coffee. Yes, I'm obsessed with coffee. <laughs> Let's just
1: say um, when I was at Snapper after I lost, I was at the little coffee bar, and the guys from Dobio they know me really well, and I they're like, Hey, Court. Anytime I would make myself a coffee, it'd be free, and I'd make probably five other coffees for everyone who was there waiting. And um, after I lost it, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just make coffee all day. So I put my hoodie on, <laughs> just went over there behind the bar, and they're like, Court, why don't you just work on your pouring of the milk? And I was like... Awesome. So I was just pouring my heart out on everyone after losing. It was funny. I was like, oh, I'm pouring my heart out. (laughs) Oh, that's the best. It was so funny, but I was working on my little hearts and then I tried to do a swan, epically failed, but it's a process. That's
0: impressive. I've always wanted to work behind the counter of a good coffee It is so fun.
1: It's all about the foam. Like, especially when you have a flat white, you want the wet foam because that is like the best and the type of milk that you use and how it froths and then frothing it proper then not burning the milk, you know, cause you don't want burnt milk. That
0: would taste weird. There's so many good jokes I could start saying right now, but <laughs> I'm going to keep this kosher. Okay. Actually, you know, I didn't, I forgot to ask you the unkosher part, but you, you modeled naked for ESPN. <laughs> the unkosher. Yeah, it's not kosher salt, no, it's, it's sea salt. It, <laughs> it was pretty badass though. Um, so many people were so pumped on that.
1: Yeah, but, that was definitely nothing that, if you asked me five years ago, about me doing anything in my skin, like, birth suit, I'd be like, nah, it's not going to (laughs) happen. And then it was funny because I was joking with a friend that I was working with at the time, and I was like, you know, if I ever did do a, like, photo shoot at my birth suit, it would have to be ESPN. (laughs) And (laughs) next thing you know, like half a year later, I have ESPN reaching out and going, we want you a part of the body issue. And um, I had some requirements of things that I wanted to be done to portray what I thought woman surfing was and how I wanted to photograph it. And so Stephen Lippman and I pretty much did the creative aspect of it, how we wanted the shots done. I was very adamant on the surf shot and the fitness and showing the – race power beauty side because I feel like that's one surfing um, and just strength and when I was doing the shoot it was definitely the first moment when I had to take the robe off it was a once in a lifetime feeling you're just like wow this is really happening <laughs> and I decided just embrace it. it's like you know what everyone has a body and you look at the Romans and the Olympians back in the day, they would sculpt the, the athletes. Now we take photos and it's just how we've evolved. So we're photographically sharing all the this beauty within all the different sports and different body types. And I just thought it was a really cool opportunity to show surfing in a really positive, empowering light and woman surfing.
0: Yeah, you've gotten Some awesome feedback about that. Um, Just really strong. And I think what's so great about you is you showed that it's okay to be a strong female. Yeah. And and
1: it was like every single shot I did, it wasn't anything that would unempower women. It was all power. It was all power. That's It was power and beauty. I mean, I was 30 feet below the water when I was doing the rock run. And then I was above a foot above dry, dry reef, doing those barrels. And wow. the risk with every single shot I did, except for the one on the beach, was pretty high. So everything I did had risk behind it and skill. And um, I just thought it really was cool to portray it in a photograph, even though you don't see the dry reef, it was down there. And if I fell, which I didn't fall, it gives you a really good incentive not to.
0: One foot above dry reef naked. Yeah. Yeah, that could have been painful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Take me straight to the hospital. I was like, no, I'm not falling today. It made a heat seem very unstressful and a lot
0: mellower. <laughs> How have things changed since that photo shoot? Have you gotten any any interesting feedback or... Um, new fans or? Um,
1: I think I definitely probably
0: gained a new following um, just
1: in the more mainstream aspect of sport. Um, And I feel like the shoot actually inspired a lot of young women, which was so cool because I I received a lot of direct messages via Instagram just saying how inspired they were and how they are embracing themselves and to be them. and. You know, there's all these people that are telling you what to be and who to be. And you have social media swaying you all these different directions. And it's discovering and finding who you are and being confident within yourself. And when I was doing that shoot, there was no way you could not be confident and, you know, not believe that you are beautiful because you're literally showing everything and you're revealing who you are. And it's a very nerve-wracking, you know, you feel vulnerable at one point, but then it's empowering at the same way where you're like, you know what? This is what I'm doing. I'm doing this for this reason, and I'm going to back myself all the way.
0: Oh, I think it's great. Surfing is a sport where you're required to be in your bikini and very little clothes. And it is a sport where there has been uh, struggles with body image in the past, and I think you've really showed that it's okay to just be yourself Yeah, you just gotta
1: be you. If you wanna wear boardies, wear boardies. If you wanna wear a bikini, wear a bikini. If you wanna wear a wetsuit, wear a wetsuit. Like, do what makes you feel the best. Because at the end of the day, you gotta look at yourself in the mirror and know you did what you wanted to do on your terms.
0: Did you, did you right before the shoot, like train extra hard or?
1: No, actually I was in the Fiji event just before, and everyone's, like, behind the scenes going, Court, are you going prep at all for the shoot? And, honestly, I made the three days of prep because I was in comp mode the whole time. Yeah. And then after I got out of the event, all I did was hydrate a ton and um, drop the salt a bit and carbs because I eat a lot of carbs when I'm competing.
0: Yeah, what are what are your nutritional Tricks and tips.
1: Um I dumps. love my steak. Um, but <laughs> anyone knows that. I love barbecuing. I have a green egg at home and it is my favorite thing to barbecue on because it's all just wood charcoal. There isn't any propane or anything like bad nice. going on your veggies or your, you know, steak or chicken or fish that you're grilling. And you know, I'll pretty much stick to probably chicken and fish most of the time unless I need the steak. Like there's certain moments where I feel like I need that extra iron and protein um, during a contest, but it takes you a bit longer to digest it so you don't want to have a heat the next morning. And um, yeah, I'll do that, I have a lot of greens. I have a little garden at my house, that little garden pot with kale and tomatoes and hot peppers, you know, living from Santa Ana, I have to have the serranos and jalapenos And the mucho nachos, I got those just because they sound cute. I was like, I need this mucho nacho. They just look so cute and sound so cute. (laughs) I can't wait to see what they look like. Um, So, yeah, I kind of eat, yeah, salads and protein. And I love brown rice with things. And I love pasta. I think it's the Italian side of me that just has to have pasta at
0: some point. That's so cool. You're not afraid of, you're not like vegan. You're not, it's, you just eat whole food. It sounds like. Yeah, I
1: eat whole food. I eat very fresh. Um, I try to make all my veggies I can. It's lettuce just doesn't make sense. Kale makes a little more sense, but I'll buy organic. And, um, yeah, just really for me, it's, you are what you eat. You really are. And, you know, when you're an athlete, you're pretty much like a sports car. If you're putting bad fuel in yourself or you're going to feel it, you eat burgers and fries, which I'm not going to say I haven't had like a, a good burger and fries. I mean, there's always a time when you want a burger and fries. Yeah. So I'm not going to say I don't eat them. And I don't not have French toast, but it's I don't have it every day. And I probably have it maybe once a month. If even, but it's just knowing the balance and finding that and being able to stop, like if you have a bag of hot Cheetos, don't eat the whole bag, you know, maybe just have a couple
0: hot Cheetos. Yeah. Wow.
1: Um. (laughs) Well, when I was a kid, I would eat hot Cheetos. I mean, I lived in Santa Ana. I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, I ate organic my whole life. Okay. (laughs) That's not being honest. So Honestly, yeah, I had a hot cheetos exactly. as a kid, but now I probably don't have them. I have them once in blue moon, and it brings back memories. I'm like, haha, and then my stomach's going, damn, Court, why did you eat that? I'm like, uh,
0: <laughs> I I eat some junk too. I think you got to, you got to. Be- you know what?
1: It makes you appreciate when you're eating all that fine food. And you know, honestly, I eat super well now because anytime I don't, I regret it.
0: And you cook, right?
1: Yeah, I love cooking. Before, um, my sister lived with me for a long time, and she's a cook. Like, she's such an amazing chef. Well, she's not a chef, but I call her my chef. She is so good. And I would be her sous chef. So I'd be cutting away, and then she'd be doing all the baking. She just, it's like chemistry, and she's so good at it. I love it. it. And now I'm, I'm the chef, little chef. Your little chef. And you're an artist
0: too. Can we can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I've been seeing some of your artwork lately.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love my art. It's just for what, me an outlet. What kind of
0: art do you do for those who don't know that you're an artist? Like um,
1: paint. Yeah, I paint everything, honestly. Right now I'm in a wave painting phase just because I did this Woman of Surfing um exhibit with uh Phil Roberts curated it, and it was all women in the exhibit. And it was representing the strength of women surfing. And it was really cool because most exhibits and museums with art only have 15% women. And I didn't know that till I was a part of this exhibit. And Phil wanted to be sure it was all women and showcase the talent. It was pretty cool to have a man like that who's very successful in his art, um, back women in art and surf. And it was just an incredible exhibit. It goes on till September 2nd and actually tomorrow. And um, yeah, it kind of rekindled a fire because for a while I was just so busy trying to learn other stuff. And he's like, Court, I want you to be a part of it. So I did a piece after Fiji, uh, which ended up being the exhibit. And uh, yeah, it rekindled. So I do a lot of acrylic right now, um, mastering that. Then I'll, Master oil. Um, but I do right now, I did a charcoal and canvas, which was really fun. I'm playing with charcoal and acetone. And, and how yes. do you learn how to do this? Um, a lot of what I've learned right now is self taught. And I did two years of fundamentals in high school and then did ceramics senior year. Um, but yeah, after high school, I just got really busy and then kind of let the brushes get a little dusty, and then got into it again when I was injured. I was painting nonstop. And I had never painted waves till I was actually hurt. I doodled them in class when I couldn't surf. So anytime I haven't surfed, I paint waves. How interesting. It's, and it's always a left most of the time. I paint one right, and it's actually on display. <laughs> there was only one time, and that was because I think I was surfing left side cloud break. So I was wanting to go right, and I painted my dream life. <laughs>
0: How funny.
1: It's so funny how you paint what you're what's on your mind and what you want. It's kind of like you get to live through it a little bit. And um, yeah, it's really fun whether I need something empowering. I've done lions. Um, I did a French bulldog for a friend one time because they always want a French bulldog. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just paint it. So they have to look at it all the time. Two weeks later. had a french bulldog after having a stare at the painting buddy
0: it was awesome you get to surf all over the world if you could live somewhere else where where would you live um if i could
1: that's a really tough question honestly i love the world (laughs) um i would want to i would want to spend time everywhere yeah if i was able to have hubs in certain spots. I have one in France, Hossegor, because I love France and I love Spain and Portugal. And it's all in just a drive distance away. I mean, you could be in Madrid from Hossegor and Barcelona in like four or six hours, maybe eight hours, certain areas. And um, San Sebastian is amazing. And um, there's so many amazing beach breaks in like Rabier and Sinios and and then um probably Australia for sure. I'd have a hub either in Victoria. Victoria gets so cold in the winter though. I like when we go. It's warm And um, the Gold Coast. I love the Goldie. Just the barrels that snapper when it's good. I'm not a fan of the crowds. I wish I could just freeze Ram. <laughs> But uh, it's all good. That'd be a good superpower. Right? No, I wish I could just be a jumper. Honestly, if I could teleport anywhere, that would be the best gift. And just teleport with my boards.
0: That would be so awesome. Not have to worry about board fees or any of that. Yeah, traveling's got to be tricky. You have it on lockdown. Seems like most of the surfers on tour have it on lockdown. Any advice to us, like just having to go through airports. Just smile
1: and wave and look really nice when you go up to them and just hope you get a really nice person checking you in. Um, I actually I actually stare at all the people and kind of try to scout who I want to go to. And I'll delay. I do <laughs> the same thing. Depending on the flight, like Virgin Australia is one of my favorite airlines, like going to Australia every year just because they're so nice and I have a feeling it's because Richard Branson, he's so into extreme sports. He probably just put the equipment as a bit of a priority on being able to travel with it. And, yeah, they don't hassle you, which is so nice. It's really just mellow. It makes travel easier. The times where you have to play good cop, bad cop. Mom and I have done that a couple times.
0: No, but just being nice, I think, was really good advice. When we were going to Nicaragua, I started talking to the girl about, like, how she travels all over the world and yeah. somehow she put us in like the exit row and then we were upgraded again and then she almost didn't charge us for the board then last minute her supervisor came over yeah and, was like, and i mean
1: 150 for a bags not bad you know i've had to pay a thousand dollars for boards oh of course so that's when you're like oh i hope i
0: win this event <laughs> yeah that that gets tricky um you're really articulate um i've yeah. interviewed a lot of surfers and uh you seem like you've read some books in your life. Any books that you really love or you gift or you just remember? Um,
1: well, there's a love hate with me in Kite Runner. I did love that book, but there was a moment where I threw it against the wall because I was frustrated at one of the characters in the book. And then uh, most of the time I read things about mental and just so I'm understanding and learning. And so it's like doing a psyche class in a way. And, um, yeah, Fueled by failures, a really good one. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, there's a few others I've been working on. But Bossy Pants with Tina Fey, that's hilarious. If you want a really funny read, like, I love that book. Just Tina Fey, period. Like, her and Amy Poehler are just hilarious. I think, yeah,
0: they're just funny and brilliant all at the same time. I totally agree. Any Any go-to gear things that you have in your life every day that just makes it go better go to go to gear like things that you your coffee
1: oh my go to's um probably music for me i love having music in the car when i'm dealing with traffic and people road raging it keeps me calm <laughs> and uh yeah you know i'm in california i have to deal with the five freeway and the 405 you're in
0: the orange county yeah like the gnarliest you want mental part?
1: training people huh? yeah just breathe in the car it'll, it'll help you through a lot <laughs> But uh, yeah, so pretty much my music, my surfboards are mandatory. Cup of coffee, always water. I hydrate a lot. I always have water on me. Um, Yeah, just the basic necessity, sunscreen, actually, and a hat.
0: (laughs) Yeah, She's got a really cool hat on right now.
1: I swear, slip, slap, slap. That's the Australian saying, like always cover yourself in shade. As you slip, are going
0: to- slap, slap. We got to define slip, what
1: the, slap, slop, slap. I think it's something like that. Like slip something on, slap on sunscreen. And I don't know, slop, it's probably slip, something else. Maybe it's shade. We'll look it up. <laughs> yeah. It's some like tagline they use. And I thought it was funny. It's in New
0: Zealand too. It's pretty yeah. funny.
1: You know what I'm talking I about. I totally know what you're talking about. It's She's always not- on the commercials and they're, they always show the melanoma and- Aussies are always, like, very true with their commercials. almost brutally true. They are
0: brutally true. Yeah, they've
1: actually pulled back on the bil- billboards with all, like, the drug things and stuff. And I was like, geez, that's pretty gnarly. Like, a little six-year-old could see that. Um, but now they pull back, and the melanoma one's like, it scares you to truth. And it makes you want to cover up.
0: I like Aussies. They're very real, very true. I um, love
1: Aussies. They're funny.
0: So... Any advice to young people or old people who want to get better at not only surfing, but just want to achieve their goals? You've achieved so many goals. You've had so many wild ideas worth living, but just advice on on living more wildly, achieving your goals, Um, and maybe being a pro surfer, <laughs> if you can pull it off.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, for the ones that obviously you want to be a pro, I think perseverance and be willing to put the time in. I've put hundreds of thousands of hours into my craft. And like anything that someone masters or is trying to master, you have to put time in. And you, you'll you fall a lot and you'll fail a lot, what people call failing, but you learn what doesn't work and then find what does work. And um, believing in yourself and being you, I think's really crucial. I've always stayed true to who I am my whole life. I've been very authentic to myself. And um, yeah, I think just discovering who you are and creating who you want to be Mm. and really know who you are deep down and what you want to accomplish at the end of the day, Um, whether it's surfing or with your daily work or just being an adventurer and a wanderer and being Wanting to travel, it's, it's really not easy to travel, but it's really, it's all possible and finding ways to do it, you know. A lot of people probably didn't believe that this little girl from Santa Ana, I know a few people definitely didn't, believe that she would get on tour, and I'm on tour seventh year in, and stayed on tour, and it wasn't easy. There was times where I was debating whether I go back to college, but I kept going, and I kept... Persevering through the struggle and the process and learning, and kept going back to the drawing board and scr- scratching things out that didn't work. And now I'm here and
0: getting closer to my goal. Courtney, we're so excited for you. I feel like this year. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not going to say anything, but yeah, don't you look say it, but- So awesome right now. You're on fire. Your attitude is great, and and I'm just excited for you. What's to come? Thank you for sharing your wild ideas with us. No worries. You! There's a good chance you can catch Courtney in action live this week in Southern California if you go to the Hurley Pro at Trestles. You can also check her out online on the WorldSurfleague.com. Thank you to the Pasea Hotel in Huntington Beach. It's a gorgeous hotel. They let us use this amazing conference room upstairs, overlooking the ocean, to interview her. Thank you, Paseo Hotel. I really appreciate it. Thank you also to Courtney, to her mom, to her manager, and to Bong for setting this interview up. And thank you for listening to this show. Thank you also for supporting it. We're getting some great donations at wildideasworthliving.com support. You can pay through PayPal, and it goes towards paying our editors, supporting this show, and letting us provide awesome free content every week. If you want to check out more about Courtney, we'll have links in the show notes. All you have to do is go to wildideasworthliving.com, press play on her show or any of the shows, and the show notes magically appear just after a few seconds. It's pretty cool. Thank you also for leaving your reviews on iTunes. We got one this week. This is my favorite podcast, and each episode is flush with stories of inspiration. Keep up the great work and keep sharing all the wild ideas. That was from PHQ1242. I don't know who you are, but thank you for writing that review. I appreciate it. Keep it coming. Wherever you are listening, don't forget some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. Be sure to check out our sponsors, Keen, they make awesome shoes, HDX Hydration. If you're in need of a refreshment, they're the best, most healthy, eco-friendly hydration solution. We have so many great guests coming in. We have a Highliner, another surfer, an announcer, a top HarperCollins publisher, an author, and so many more. We'll see you next week.